You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what's going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for USA Today for various SEC-related things, but on this podcast specifically, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody that we are free and available on all podcast platforms. All right, Kentucky. Victors over the Vanderbilt Commodores, 77-70. to We're going to go over what we saw uh, in this game, what we saw in the first half, what we saw in the second half, and then some final thoughts here. Going to talk about my parameters around Kentucky wins as we normally do. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Kentucky did not check a lot of boxes tonight. In fact, this game was absolutely awful. So let's start in the first half before things just got absolutely terrible. Uh, if you if you watch this game, uh, you know what happened in the second half and just how awful the pacing was. But we'll, we'll, we'll start here with the first half, just talk about uh, how everything was going. And early on, Grady was playing well. Uh, he got fouled on that first three, by the way. Uh, I know that there were a lot of fouls called uh, whenever whenever the Commodores played the, the Wildcats. Uh, just yesterday, but there was a foul at the very beginning of the game that was not called. Uh, Vanderbilt, in uh, in their offense, their isolation ball worked. We talked about it on yesterday's show. We talked about it when the Wildcats played them a few games ago. It's that weave motion offense. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Baylor runs it. They run it well. Jerry Stackhouse um, is not running it well at Vanderbilt right now. In fact, uh, the the offense, you would think, would, uh, would utilize a lot of different players in a lot of different ways, and they would be able to spread the ball around and pick up a lot of assists but there's only one guy on Vanderbilt's team that really knows how to score efficiently, and um, they don't really like to spread the ball around much at all in an offense that is meant to do that. It's like running the air raid and trying to pass the ball around, but you're you're just throwing to one guy on every single play, and it just becomes meaningless at that point. Uh, but the Vanderbilt isolation ball worked uh, early on in this game. There wasn't a lot going down uh, for Kentucky, uh, before the under-16 timeout, and Vanderbilt had a 6-5 to five lead, and you're sitting there like, okay, well, eventually Kentucky's going to pull away. You know, it's going to be close here for the next few minutes, and we're going to get to the first half, and we're going to have like a 15-12 to 12 point lead, and then we're just going to kind of coast for the rest of the game. You've seen that happen so many different times before. Not tonight, baby. Did not happen tonight. Kentucky won, but it was not fun. Uh, Vanderbilt put a lot of pressure on Kentucky's ball handlers, and this is something that we, uh, we've talked about with teams like Georgia, teams like Vanderbilt. Uh, you notice that teams like Georgia don't like to put a lot of pressure on guards or much of anybody, really. Vanderbilt has done a good job of that this season. And early on in the first half, they put a lot of pressure on Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington. Um, and it threw Kentucky's offense out of sync. It was not very fun to watch. Uh, and uh, Kentucky was just simply not in rhythm. Uh, Toppin had the ball stolen from him at one point in the first half. Then he blocked the potential transition bucket. It was absolutely beautiful. I had no other thing I wanted to say other than that. It was just absolutely fantastic. Just Vanderbilt putting pressure uh, on somebody ha- uh, handling the ball. Uh, they, they got a steal and then top and recovered and just an incredibly athletic play. Uh, Severe Wheeler actually did end up picking up two fouls before the under 12 uh, timeout. And that was not good. It's not good for the flow of the offense. And we talked about one of the most important things in this game being the pace talking about how Kentucky needs to get out and transition. Didn't see a ton of it in the first half. Saw some different looks for Grady and then Shibwe. And uh, overall, it was not great, but at least it was there. And the second half, it was not. And we'll talk about that later on. But uh, when shots weren't uh, going in, 
Kentucky really just didn't have a, an answer on uh, the defensive end consistently. Uh, Kentucky also was picking up fouls, which was not good in the first half. There was a 9-0 run over the course of about, uh, of about four minutes uh, for the Commodores. Kentucky's offense completely died. Then Vanderbilt's offense completely died. Uh, there was a 17-0 run for Kentucky uh, at one point in the first half. Kentucky simply could not gar- guard Scottie Pippen. We talked about it yesterday. One of the big questions was, could Kentucky stop Scottie Pippen after Pippen scored 32 points against the Wildcats just a few games ago? The answer was no. Uh, in fact, he made almost half of Vanderbilt's field goals that they took the entire game, um, had half the shots uh, taken in the first half by the Commodores. And it's weird, you know... It, let me ask you, would you like to play with somebody that took half the shots your offense put up? And I think that Pippen is a talented player. I think he's very good on the offensive end. Um, I think he's going to be an NBA player, obviously, with the, with the volume of shots that he takes. But it just doesn't really seem, honestly, with the they're, they're slow. They don't spread the ball around. They don't get rebounds. They have one player shooting. It just does not seem like a fun system to play in. That's just that's just my opinion. And I'm not sitting here salty because it was a close game. We'll get to why it was a close game later on. But genuinely, it's not entertaining to watch. And it's not entertaining to play in. At least it would not be in my opinion. Uh, Mintz, Davion Mintz got out of a slump. Was also shooting well like Grady was in the first half. We'll talk about Davion Mintz, who is arguably the MVP of this game. Uh, we will, we'll talk about him in, uh, later on in the show, but he played very well in the first half, and we'll go over some of the first half stats here real quick because I think they're interesting as opposed to what we saw in the second half. So Kentucky was shooting an even 50% uh, from the floor in the first half, shooting 66.7% from three. Now, that wasn't sustainable, but 50% from the floor was, and we'll talk about what they had just in here in just a minute, but Six of nine from three was great to see. Uh, Kellen Grady, four of five from downtown at 12 points. Davion Mintz was two of three uh, in the first half from three, had 11 points. Oscar Shibway uh, had uh, had only picked up one foul, which was great, but he had six points, nine rebounds, two assists, two steals. Shibway doing a little bit of everything in the first half. Keon Brooks, I asked the question on yesterday's show, would he continue to play hot? Or would he kind of return to form? And it looked like he was returning to form in the first half. He was 2 of 7 from the floor, uh, had 7 points. And I sat there and I was going, well, yeah, he's, he's going to finish this game with about 12. Um, he's going to hit his average. Um, but he played very well in the second half. We'll talk about him. But uh, Severe Wheeler, again, a non-factor uh, in the first half. Didn't really play much. Didn't have a single point. Had 5 assists uh, in his limited time that he had, which was very impressive. So overall, I mean, at one point in the first half, we were up by, what was it, 15, 14, somewhere around there. It was a 10-point lead at the half for, for, the, uh, for the Wildcats. And probably the most startling statistic here um, at the half was the rebounding margin. So I mentioned on yesterday's show, I referenced yesterday's show a lot. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I mentioned on, on last episode that the rebounding margin for Kentucky when they played the Commodores last time was plus 16. It was even uh, in this game at the half, and Vanderbilt ended up out-rebounding Kentucky, which was just wild to me. It was absolutely wild. Two assists, by the way, at the half for Vanderbilt. Beautiful offense being run. Uh, 11 assists for Kentucky. We're going to talk about what happened in the second half and just how abysmal and awful and disgusting and lame and boring 
all the negative words I could use to describe what happened in the second half. We're going to talk about that and why, say it again, SEC officiating's bad. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. There might be less football being played, but BetOnline.net has way more odds and info for this playoff season. From scores, totals, player performance props to where the next head coach uh, that has been fired is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all things NFL betting in 2022. And it's not just football. BetOnline.net's basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC odds coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. And a lot of you Cincinnati Bengals fans, I, I know quite a few few of them in the uh, Kentucky Wildcats here. Bet your hype about the uh, about the Super Bowl appearance. Congratulations to the Bengals. Had the worst record in the NFL last season. I uh, will be playing. I believe they are four point underdogs according to BetOnline.net. I'd get over there. I'm taking the Bengals to cover, baby. I think they I think they win the whole thing. At least I hope they do. All right, second half here. Uh, again, one of the worst second halves I've seen in a in a collegiate basketball game in terms of pacing. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, I've already, I, I believe the, the, the official's name is Don Daly. He coached or excuse me, whoo, did not coach. He officiated, uh, last two days ago, uh, officiated in the Auburn, Alabama game. And everybody was upset in the, with the officiating in that game. Um, and then he travels up here to Lexington and he calls this game. And it was, it's not necessarily Daly's fault. It's more uh, a complaint here about the style of Vanderbilt's play. But there were so many fouls called, and most of them actually weren't on Vanderbilt. Or, excuse me, on Kentucky. They were on Vanderbilt. And they, I believe they had 27 fouls in this game. 27 fouls. And I tweeted this out, and I wanted to read it here for you. Not because I'm some genius and you should read everything I say, but. Uh, I just think that this this is how I feel about it. I said, this is why I don't like teams like Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. We complained about this two episodes ago. They play extremely phys- physical. They put you on the free throw line, and then the, they hope the officials don't call half of the fouls they should. It makes the pacing of the game extremely choppy and awful to watch. That's what we witnessed in the second half. Fouls on both ends, technicals being issued. It was... um. It was one of the worst games I've ever seen, or second halves, in terms of pacing, in terms of just flow and rhythm. It was like you could not take a breath. It was like you're trying to breathe, and every single time, oh, there's another foul called. Uh, but I'll say this in the first half, Vanderbilt, or second half, Vanderbilt came out swinging. They shot out of their minds in the second half. Uh, had a 21-6 to run at one point in this game. Uh, something else that I noted, Ty Ty Washington has not been playing fantastic. I wouldn't say that he's necessarily playing bad. I just don't think that he's playing great. Um, was not shooting great in the first half. I'll pull up his numbers here uh, for you just to get his final final total. Finished with seven points and was three of seven from the floor, 0 of two from three. I've not seen Ty Ty knock down a three in quite some time. Uh, Washington also had four personal fouls, only played 19 minutes. Um, so not a, not a fantastic day for Ty Ty Washington. Did not record an assist, only had one rebound. Would love to see him start to pick it up here uh, in, the, in, these, in these next couple of games. 
Uh, Keon Brooks, like I mentioned earlier, started out cold, uh, was three of seven, finished seven, or excuse me, two of seven, finished seven of 15 from the floor, uh, had 20 points, four rebounds, two assists, uh, played very well in this game in the second half, especially in my opinion. Keon Brooks overall, good, good outing. Um, Shibwe, at some point early on in the second half, uh, threw an elbow and got a tech. And honestly, I'm not going to excuse the fact that he elbowed somebody. When you elbow somebody in the face, you're going to get called for a technical. That's the way it is. Um, but he's probably probably was frustrated with the way Vanderbilt was playing him. They were crowding him. They were hand-checking everybody in the building. Uh, and they were trying to get a steal on the ball. And it was just, you, you can't continuously hand-check teams and not get fouls called on you. Now, again, this is why I don't like teams like Vanderbilt. It's not fun basketball. It's not, and it doesn't have to be entertaining. Like Virginia won a title playing some of the blandest basketball I've seen. Hard defense, uh, offense that barely exists. Uh, but but this team, I mean, it, it's just not good basketball, in my opinion, what Vanderbilt was playing. And if I were Shibway, I probably would have gotten frustrated. At some point in the second half, the announcer said, after Shibway got a tag, it's like, you know, it's not necessarily been a physical game. And then the next 15 minutes proceeded to be some of the most physical basketball Kentucky's played all season. Um, and a lot of it had to do with what was happening uh, with the rebounding. Kentucky got out-rebounded in this game, which is something I would have never said heading into a game against Vanderbilt, who has the literally averages the least amount of rebounds per game in the SEC. Kentucky had a minus seven rebounding margin. They had three more offensive rebounds, but a minus seven rebounding margin, which is wild to me. Uh, Vanderbilt, like I mentioned again, hand-checked everybody in the building all night, everybody in the stands too, uh, which is pro- probably why the Commodores didn't really shake hands at the end of this game. Because they had already given everybody a dap up before before the uh, before the buzzer was was uh, was sounded. Davion Mintz talked about him having a really good game. Going to go ahead and get to his some of uh, his numbers here. Had a tw- had twenty one points, career high was six of eleven from the floor, four of seven from three, five of five from the free throw line. Had a couple of steals, three rebounds, two assists. Great game from Davion Mintz. And I said. I've been saying this for a couple of uh, episodes now. Mintz has to get out of a shooting slump. He's going to be very important. There he is. 21 points. Really appreciate it. Uh, Something else to note in this game is about half a million shots rimmed out for Kentucky. They had so many good looks. So many good looks go in and out. Uh, And it was just, it was, it was not necessarily like really frustrating to see, but I mean, those shots will go in in different games. So it's why Kentucky only won this game by seven. That and the fact that Vanderbilt was playing some some awful basketball uh, that that shouldn't be allowed, um, quite frankly. But at one point, Vanderbilt you know cut it to one. Then the Kentucky got back up to ten in the second half, and then it was a five point game. Uh, ended up being a seven point win for the Wildcats. Uh, there were ten minutes left in the game, almost about ten minutes left in this game, and Kentucky was in the double bonus. If that doesn't tell you how bad the officiating was, I don't know what to say. And what's worse is that there were probably some fouls that weren't called. So both the officiating I don't think was was great, and you if you if you're if you're living here on the Twitter sphere, if you go to if you go to Twitter, um, you'll probably if you follow enough Kentucky folks see thirty different videos of different things like why was this not a foul? Why was this not a foul? So the the officiating was not great, and um, Vanderbilt stinks is, is is all I gotta say. And I'll I'll say one more thing here, you know I I I got a reply from somebody. After I was talking about how, you know, 
the Vanderbilt style play stinks if they're going to foul everybody and try and make it a free throw contest. It's not an entertaining game. And somebody said, it was like, well, you don't have to call every single foul if you're an official. You can just call the first three or four in a row in the first half, and then that sets the tone. Um, and while I respect that, in my opinion, I don't think it does for, for the most part. Because look at a team like LSU. They play a similar, similar brand of basketball. They foul hard. They put you on the free throw line. They play very physical. And something interesting about LSU is that you notice in the first half, they're going to play physical defense and they'll get those three or four fouls in a row and then they'll continue to play physical defense. Why? Because if a team gets in the bonus early, uh, an official usually feels the need to even things up because if the discrepancy is seven or eight fouls, you've got to do something. I mean, you're calling, you're literally calling a one-sided game. Even if the if even if the team is deserving of uh, being called for everything that they do, it's a one sided game still. And so, in an officials' mind, they've like I've got to even this out. So they'll do one of two things: they'll either start calling fouls on the opposing team that are ticky tack, or they'll try and even things up by just simply not calling fouls on one team and letting the other team catch up. We've seen that happen time and time and time again in the SEC this season. And I know that some people have been saying, you know, why are you all complaining about SEC officials because they, the, the SEC polls from different conferences, and it's not like they're just strictly SEC officials. That's right. So why don't we start just complaining about college basketball officiating as a whole? At the same time, too, why doesn't the SEC try and go and get better officials to, that statistically call better games? I don't know. It, it legitimately became a free throw shooting contest in the second half. Uh, Kentucky shot a ton of free throws in this game. I've been complaining about the Wildcats not being able to get to the free throw line. We got it in this game, boys. 35 free throws from the Wildcats. They made 25 of them, 71.4%. Not great, I'll take it. Um, but, but yeah, Vanderbilt put this team on the line. They made them uh, earn it there. And Kentucky eventually ended up doing it. Shibway, I believe, also he picked up his second technical, um, which... From my understanding, after you get two techs, you're, you're thrown out of the game, but it did, did not happen, so I guess I'm an idiot. I'm just an idiot in general. Um, but Shibway got two technicals, uh, fighting down low with, uh, with Vanderbilt's center, uh, Quentin Melora-Brown, foot ten senior, probably the tallest player on Vanderbilt's roster. And uh, Melora-Brown uh, may, be, may be Kentucky's uh, most hated player right now. I don't have anything against him. I'll just say I did not enjoy watching him and Sheboy try and get a rebound. It was, it was just not not great basketball, not great officiating on either end. There weren't a lot of handshakes, like I mentioned earlier, at the end of this game. And I don't necessarily want to sit here and be like, yeah, there are no handshakes, good. Yeah, these two teams should hate each other. Because um, it's Vanderbilt. I'm not trying to start a rivalry with Vanderbilt. We've won, what, 13 straight now uh, against them? Um, but, again, I just... From from a, a philosophy standpoint, if you're trying to, that's the way you want to play basketball. It's just not fun basketball, Vanderbilt. It's not fun basketball. And quite frankly, I'm surprised that's, that if you are going to run it that way and you're going to have one kid shooting, I'm surprised that kids will, will want to come and play there. I'm surprised that they've had enough success on the recruiting trails they have. Uh, it's just, it is what it is. Uh, they tried to foul late. Vanderbilt couldn't uh, couldn't get it done. Kentucky made enough free throws to hold them off. It was a seven-point win. I was way off on this game. I thought Kentucky would blow them out. thought Kentucky would handle the rebounding margin. thought Kentucky would get out and transition better. Um, they did not. 
We'll talk about some of the parameters here actually in just a moment. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. If you have Get Upside, as all locked on Kentucky listeners should, then you will be making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now and use promo code SCORE and get a bonus $0.25 per gallon on your first fill-up. That's up to to $0.50 cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Again, just download the app for free and use promo code SCORE to get up to $0.50 a gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, wrapping up the Thursday edition of Locked On Kentucky. Again, thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day, whether you're watching on YouTube, whether you're listening on podcast. Really appreciate you either way. You guys have been awesome uh, in terms of support for the pod recently. Really appreciate you guys in the engagement and just getting to talk to you all. It's awesome. All right, final thoughts here. The parameters, we'll go over them real quickly. Did Kentucky shoot well from the floor? Well, I mentioned uh, just a little bit ago that Kentucky shot 50% from the floor in the first half. They ended up shooting 38.6%. And part of that was because Vanderbilt was playing very hard defense, very physical defense. And part of that was, like I mentioned, there were a lot of shots that just rimmed in and out for the Wildcats. So did Kentucky shoot well from the floor? No, they didn't. Shot 44.4% from three. That's good. But from the floor, no. That's my parameter. The answer is no. They did not check that box. Did they have decent shot selection? I think so. They just didn't knock them down. And part of the time they were fouled and they were put on the free throw line. So that was part of it. So yes, I think Kentucky did have decent shot selection in this game. Did Kentucky play well in transition? Well, they had 14 fast break points as opposed to Vanderbilt's four. So I want to say yes, but at the same time, there was not a lot of transition game going on in this contest. And I honestly feel like there could have been a little bit more, but again, Vanderbilt was just hacking at everything that they saw move. So it was, it was just not, in my opinion, no, I did not think they played great in transition. And the final thing here, did Kentucky protect the rim? They had five blocks, but there were multiple points in this game where Pippen had just a, a gorgeous move inside and he found himself getting a layup. But as, as other players like Jordan Wright, I'm going to say, Kinda. I'm going to say kinda. Because Vanderbilt did shoot 46% from the floor, um, which is above their average. But it's it's um, there were moments where they where Kentucky did protect the rim, and then there were moments where uh, they didn't. And I'll just say down low, I mean, it was just so difficult all game. Very, very physical in the second half. Vanderbilt really turned up the intensity. Not to say, I, I'm, I'm impressed by that. But again, this Vanderbilt team... Um, they've got to get more shooters if they want to become a legitimate threat down the road. And again, it's just a, the style of play. I don't think you're going to find that style of play commonly utilized by teams that are legitimately good um, and, and can use their athleticism and talent to, to win themselves games. Um, I think you're going to see that utilized by teams that um, don't necessarily have the talent to compete with everyone else. And while I may dislike it, that's the reality. There are going to be good teams. There are going to be bad teams that have to find a way to catch up. That's what Vanderbilt tried to do in this game. That's what Vanderbilt tried to do in this game. Is there anything else I want to go over before we wrap the show up here? I mentioned the rebounding. One more thing here, actually, that I did not mention. So 27 fouls to, as opposed to Kentucky's 19. Um, can Vanderbilt had 16 turnovers. That was one of the things, one of the four things I asked at the end of yesterday's episode. Can Kentucky churn Vanderbilt over more? Had 16 turnovers as opposed to Kentucky's nine. 
and uh, Kentucky had 15 points off of Vanderbilt's 16 turnovers. Could have capitalized on that a little bit more. Um, but again, just Vanderbilt fouling literally every other possession really, really killed uh, the Wildcats' momentum in this game. So looking ahead down the road, uh, you, you asked the question, would Shaden Sharp play? I said, I don't know. Um, and I said that I would really like to see him in the Vanderbilt game. And that if we didn't see Shaden in this game, I don't know if we're going to see him for the rest of the season. Uh, we did not see Shaden Sharp in this game because it was close. Go figure. Um, but his offense would have been really nice in this game. Did not get it, though. And you look down the road, I mean, there's there's no chance that he plays this season. He's going to go to the draft. That, that's my opinion now, officially. Because we play at Alabama, which is going to be a fun game. Uh, I say that. Jokingly, that's ooh, that's right now looking at this Kentucky team. I mean, they're they're still very, very good. But if Alabama wants to play like Vanderbilt and Alabama's got some athleticism, that could be a tough game. So I had Alabama at South Carolina, uh, at home against Florida, at Tennessee, at home against Alabama and then LSU, on the road at Arkansas, uh, at home against Ole Miss, and then on the road at Florida. Yeah, Shaden is, Shaden is not playing for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, and I, I want him to really badly. Um, but unless Cal just feels the need to put in a freshman that has literally not stepped onto the court to play uh, collegiate ball in the SEC tournament or March Madness, I just don't see it happening. I just don't see it happening. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Stahl underscore. You can follow the show on Twitter at Kentucky or Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, hit me on the socials. Hit me in the YouTube comments down below. I uh, really appreciate you, all of you guys listening. I will see you all tomorrow. Have a good day and God bless.